Here's another listener. Essay. Essay. This is Infants on Thrones. Listener Essay. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Osland, and this is the back half of our May 2018 Listener Essay Contest. Five more essays for you each day this week, starting with today's essay, which is number six in our contest, and is titled, For Then We Saw Through a Hat Darkly, and written by Alice. Now, I want to quickly say a special thank you to all of you who have submitted essays this past week and sent emails about the songwriting contest. Now, there will be a songwriting contest in July and another listener essay contest in August to fit in the ones that were recently submitted and just won't fit into this current contest. But no worries. We'll just do another listener essay contest and we'll keep doing them as long as you listeners have things that you want to say. So please keep sending in your submissions. They're great. But you know what else would be great? Not very many of you have been going to the website to fill out the little voting surveys for each of these listener essays, and I'd like to see more of those. And so would Jesus. And I'm sure so would our authors. They'd like to get more feedback on the essays that they wrote and recorded and submitted for this contest. So please remember to go to the website, infantsonthrones.com, Find the post for today's essay and spend a couple of minutes casting your vote and providing some feedback. It's easier than home teaching, visiting teaching, ministering, or whatever the hell they're calling it now. So please give feedback, because if you don't, you're lame. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to be. And why would anyone want to make the devil happy? He's bad. He's bad. The devil is bad. Do you want to be bad too? Or do you want to be good? Like today's author, Alice, who wrote, For then we saw through a hat darkly. So take it away, Alice. And stop making the devil be happy. Alice! I'm no kid In a kid's game Did what I did I got no one to blame But I don't give up No, I don't ever give up It's all I got It's my claim to fame Hi there. So I've titled my essay, For Then We Saw Through a Hat Darkly. It's supposed to be a pun. I like to think I'm super clever and punny, but then my daughter rolls her eyes dramatically and I come back to earth. I am pretty corny, I admit it. I'm also a Mormon girl who can't sing, which is kind of a serious Mormon handicap. I always tried to make up for this by kicking ass at every Halloween and 4th of July chili cook-off. But to be honest, there's no substitute for a voice with dulcimer tones. Still, I love to sing, no matter what I sound like. 
which is why one Saturday evening three years ago, my best friend and I were in my car belting out the lyrics of Love Shack at the top of our lungs. I figure she really must love me, or she's tone deaf. She's not. It's love. I love her, too. I used to think that we must have been friends in the pre-mortal existence. I know that sounds like fantasy at this point, but back then, she and I were sure that we had promised to have each other's backs down here in Satan's territory. (laughs) However, even as close as we are, I didn't see coming what happened next. We were still sitting in my car, now parked to my driveway. One minute we're being silly, and then out of nowhere she's telling me about Joseph Smith marrying girls behind his wife's back, and sending men on missions, and then marrying their wives while they were away. Not dead, mind you, just out of the picture. The list went on. You may be familiar with it. She exclaimed to me, I'm freaking out. Could this really be a thing? (coughs) Where did you hear this stuff? I countered. She named a podcast and then asked a question. As it turns out, a really huge question. Only I didn't know it yet. Will you listen to the podcast too? You know my answer. It sounded crazy, but she's my person. She listens to me sing, no judgment. I would do this thing. And that is how I entered the rabbit hole. But I don't want to go among mad people. Fast forward two years. I left the church. I left for Emma, who threw girls out of her house in a rage, who stood in front of that First Relief Society completely unaware that many of them were married to her goddamn husband, a dirty little secret that must have hung heavy in that room. I left for all the girls and women who were stalked by sexual predators. My anger was for them. It galvanized me in a way that I could not muster for myself. I didn't believe anymore. By that point, I had read a ton of well-researched literature, I felt confident that I had made the right decision, but I wasn't ready to say that I had been wronged in any way. It was so much easier to feel angry about other people's pain. It's now been a little more than a year since the last time I sat in those pews. Wait! Don't go, please! A lot has taken place since then. You could say that I've been working to unearth my very own set of golden plates. Personal revelations about who I had tried so hard to be, what I allowed myself to endure, and the price I paid for it all. However, significantly unlike Joe Smith, I did not bury my head in any dark hat to discover my truth. I already had my head in that fucking hat long enough. I just didn't know it. So here they are. My reasons for leaving. Not Emma's or any other woman who has had her power subjugated or appropriated. Owning my own very personal pain has been really scary. Who are they?
Reason number one, the beginning, as in my beginning. What? No active mom? No visible dad? Where the hell are your parents anyways? I was raised in the post-leave-it-to-beaver era. Just think. There are no homosexuals in the church. Oh, wait. That's now. Let me try again. Just think. There are no non-believing, let alone divorced, parents in the church. I was left before the age of one by my alcoholic mother to be raised by my very religious grandmother. Thank you, Grandma. You are still my hero. Sadly, my atypical family dynamic didn't go over well with my peers at church. It was a time when literally everyone else at church lived with both parents and both parents were active members, at least in my circle of friends. Neither of these things were true for me. I didn't stand a chance. This was the most painful portion of my church journey. Being othered and excluded as a child cuts deep. Thankfully, I had kind and loving friends outside the church walls. Reason number two, the talk. So my grandma did her best, but her religion shaped her worldview completely. One day she sat me down on our slick brown couch that you stuck to in the summertime and was uncomfortably cold in the morning before school. She was nervous, like she was about to explain the birds and the bees to me. Curiouser and curiouser. And no, that never happened. No, this was actually way worse. She told me that she had talked to our stake president, worried about what was to become of me in the next life. He told her that everything was going to be just fine. I would be sealed to her and my grandfather for time and all eternity. No pesky parent people like a mother or a father to mess up my eternal salvation. She so clearly meant this as a source of relief for me. Like my seven-year-old soul had been harrowed up at the prospect of being some sort of eternal bastard. The effect was the opposite. I hadn't known I was lost, damned to eternal unfamiliness. And the idea of being chained to my grandparents? Love them though I did rather than bonded to my parents, who sucked, but were still my parents. And therefore, to use a bit of Mormonese, my soul's most sincere desire, and thus began my understanding that I would never have the happy Mormon eternal family, which, frankly, seemed to be the whole point of everything at church. Shit. Reason number three, the red flag. During my mission to a certain foreign country, I found myself standing in a plaza, watching as a procession of protesters wound their way to the center, carrying a wooden coffin that bore the body of President Ronald Reagan in effigy. He was dressed in a dark suit. The rubber Halloween mask made his identity unmistakable. 
as did the U.S. flag that cloaked his coffin. They set the coffin up on a pedestal, and shouting, Fuera, Yankees! Go home, Yankees! They set the coffin on fire. The anti-American sentiment was nothing new. We have army bases on their soil, and they don't like it. I wouldn't either. I watched it burn, fascinated by the whole spectacle. My companion had other ideas, though, and we got out of there, which I'm sure was a very good idea. So I share this to let you know that this was not a country that was rolling in baptisms. Every month, the mission president posted everyone's numbers, and if your companionship didn't have a baptism that month, then he mailed you a bandera roja, a red flag. The effect for me was visceral. It was such a bold proclamation of my failure. Again, I didn't meet expectations. It didn't matter if this was widespread. For me, it was personal and pointed. I still have one of those banderas rojas. It's tucked inside my missionary journal. I should probably throw that away, right? Well, it's about time. Reason number four, five, and maybe six, too. The shelf. I've always had one of these. I just didn't know it was called a shelf. I'll bet mine looks a lot like yours. Do homophobia, patriarchy, bigotry, racism, or plagiarism ring any bells for you? Yeah, me too. Reason number seven. The blessing. As in, patriarchal blessing. I remember reading and rereading those pages, tucked into my scriptures, key phrases underlined in color-coded pencil. I chose red for the things I needed to do and blue for the blessings that would come. Unfortunately, with time, the fairy tale existence that my blessing outlined became quite obsolete. I hadn't married the right man. I had beautiful and amazing kids, but they weren't born under the covenant like my blessing outlined. Every time I read it was a tangible reminder that I would never have the happy Mormon eternal family and had also denied my kids the happy Mormon eternal family. And this time, it was all my fault. Reason number eight, the temple. So I got to do the temple ceremony before they removed some of the overt penalties. But to be honest, all that throat slitting and disembowelment went right over my head as a 21-year-old. What didn't go over my head was the subservient position that women were placed in. I watched that movie with so much intent. I listened so hard. I thought that there must be something there that would make it all clear. If I really let it in, it's going to all make good sense. And then a man told me to bow my head and cover my face and just say yes. Reason number nine, the gift. I have two wonderful kids, a son and a daughter, both now adults, both non-believing. One of my children was very wounded by church activity as a teen. 
activity that I instigated and that I insisted on. The hurt ran deep for this child and drove a wedge between us, a wedge that I didn't even understand. After all, I was just being the best parent I knew how. I had believed that the church was the only viable option for raising my kids. I literally had no other tools in my bag of tricks. I didn't understand what had gone so wrong until I left. And that child was finally able to share all those feelings with me. And so the healing began and the gift was given. By leaving Mormonism, things between me and this sweet child of mine could finally go right. And they did. And they are. Best gift ever. I would have left just for this one reason alone. But I couldn't see it. I had to get rid of the hat first. Reason number 10. The truth. The truth is complicated which is the opposite of what I grew up believing. I am finally comfortable again with calling myself Mormon. I'm not even going to bother labeling what kind. Because guess what? These painful Mormon experiences that I'm in the process of owning, they've made me who I am. And I'm good with that. And that person lives quite happily with my espresso drinking, happy hour attending, F-bomb-dropping self. The truth is that I feel monumental relief. Relief that I'm not some eternal misfit. I spent decades carrying the burden and guilt of being the reason why my kids would also be denied that happy Mormon eternal family. That myth is busted. We're all good to just love each other and enjoy our time together here and now. I am grateful to own the good that being Mormon has brought me, while at the same time being free of that goddamned dark hat. And maybe you were wondering what happened to my friend? So we get that there's no pre-mortal existence where we patiently waited, making pinky swears while riding rainbow-colored unicorns. But we are making good on our promise one church-free Sunday at a time. The stream, I don't ever give so there you go. Thank you very much, Alice, for your essay. Now, if you as our listener want to go and vote for this essay, go to our website, find this episode, click on the voting link, and leave your feedback. And if you haven't already joined us on Patreon, please consider signing up and supporting Infants on Thrones for as little as $1 per episode, capped at whatever budget you want to give yourself for the month. Your generosity helps keep this podcast alive and growing. So thank you, and tune in tomorrow for another listener essay. Pretty bird, pretty bird. Hey, this is Billy and 4C from Rhode Island. Yes, that's right. The blind kid from Dumb and Dumber, and now Dumb and Dumber 2. 2.
Yes, a pseudo-celebrity Mormon. Infants on Thrones has helped me come to grips with the tragedy that I've seen, well, heard about at least, when learning that the thing that mattered most to me ended up being dead all along. I mean, Petey didn't even have a head. If you heart the show as much as I do, please leave a five-star review on iTunes, write a short review, and oh my heck, why not post about it on the social media? Unless you're still stuck in the Relief Society closet about your faith transition stuff like I am. And always remember, I just thought he was real quiet. Anyone for the closing prayer? Thank you for listening to Satan's Thrones.